Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Carlson. I hope you had a great weekend. The temperatures have been pretty cool. Actually, I'm pre-recording this, so I have no idea what the temperatures and, and stuff's going to be like next weekend. So that doesn't really make any sense. But anyway, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you're enjoying a nice warm cup of strangely warmed coffee, roasted, packaged, shipped right here in downtown Sebring. Today, I'm going to follow up on a little discussion that I had last week, but specifically related to how taxes work and what people have to say about the tax system. So I had some people asking me for some advice on things they learn on TikTok about taxes. And I thought, TikTok, those are short little videos that show crazy things. How do you get that? So I started, I actually downloaded TikTok for the first time and started scrolling through looking at how to pay no income tax videos. And I got several notes. I'll try and review them one by one and see how this goes. So the first one is, how did the rich not pay any income taxes? They borrow money to pay for their living instead of earning it so that it doesn't get taxed because debt isn't taxed. So one of the examples they gave was, if I buy a rental house for $100,000, now it's worth $200,000, I can borrow $50,000 of equity on that house, and that's tax-free income. But it doesn't really work that way. So if in that scenario, if I borrow the $50,000 and then I sell the house for $200,000, I still owe tax on, on the gain there, which is $100,000. $100, but now I've borrowed fifty, dollars and who knows what with it. Now, it's not a bad strategy. This person went on a couple other videos that I saw related to this strategy. They talk about how you take the $50,000 equity out of one property and use it to leverage a loan for another piece of property. That's a great strategy. I love leveraging that all day long. I think it's a good idea, um, and I think it's something that can work for you. Now, some of the bigger companies, they say that the individual uh, Elon Musk has $250 billion worth of stock in Tesla and other things, that they can leverage that and borrow money against those, those things so that they can pay their normal living bills and pay everything off. But you have to remember that you have to get to that point. So... I try to talk to the average taxpayer, not someone with $250 billion worth of uh, investment portfolio. But if you do have that, certainly we can handle it. And we'll be honored to work with you. But I'm talking about the average people, the people that live here in Highlands County or in Florida. There are some that have plenty of money, um, but I'm really talking to you that it's not practical for you to take out a $100,000 loan to live off of and pay your bills. I don't really like the idea of paying your operating expenses with debt as much as you can help it and only in the short term. So another guy actually claimed that um, they kept talking about three types of income. There's earned income, passive income, and portfolio income. And this guy was talking about corporations and how you can maximize tax savings through LLCs and S-Corps. This particular person actually went out and said, an S corporation, you are required to take a reasonable salary for the services that you perform for your company. Everyone is supposed to be doing that. Everything above that comes out at, in the form of profit and distributions of profit. Now, this person said that the distribution of profit is actually going to be taxed at capital gains rates, which is just flat out not true. It's ordinary income. So that's another fallacy that people think they're not going to pay tax on it. I actually had a client last week we were trying to figure out that um, 
trying to explain how the profitability of your corporation works. And we're going to sit down later this week and go over it so that I can show on the whiteboard how those numbers work. But capital gains treatment for corporate distributions, not true. Also, he talked about dividends and how dividends from your corporation can come to you at a lower tax rate, okay? So here's the thing. You're only going to pay dividends if your corporation is a C corporation. And if you do that, dividends are not deducted by the corporation, so they're double taxed. So not a good strategy, not something I would do. So dividends and distributions taxed differently, but if you're a small business and you're paying dividends to yourself, probably really a distribution because there aren't that many C corporations that operate in that world. So one guy said, all you have to do is sell your real estate and flip it into another piece of real estate and you don't have to pay tax on that gain. That's not true either. And he didn't expand. There were a few of these. They didn't really expound on the actual rules in exchanging one piece of real estate for another. And you're not eliminating the tax, the tax on that exchange. You're only deferring it into the next piece of property. But there are very strict rules on that including it's called a 1031 exchange. You have to prearrange with a qualified intermediary the sale of the first piece of property. And then within a certain time period, you have to identify and close on the second piece of property through that same intermediary. So there are steps you need to take really prior to listing the first piece of property, especially in today's market, to make sure that you have another one lined up and that you're ready to go. And at the end of the day, I talked to several clients that, that asked me about these tax, tax deferred exchanges. And I asked them, do you want to own another piece of property? Are you trying to get out so that you don't have to do it anymore? And nine times out of 10, they're going to say, I don't really want to own another piece of property. That's why I'm selling the first one. Capital gains harvesting on investment income. This one's not a bad strategy, but there is some risk involved. So the, the, the person was trying to say that if your income, regular taxable income, is below the threshold where you would pay zero capital gains tax, you might be able to take a little bit of your gains each year. This, this particular example, the guy had $200,000 of the capital gains. If you took all the $200,000, then it's, it's going to end up being taxable, even if your other income would have caught you below the limit because it's going to raise you up. So you have to make, make sure you monitor those uh, income limits and where you fall in the two different um, progressive tax rates, one for ordinary income and one for capital gain, which is also a progressive tax. So you need to manage both of those and work with your CPA to make sure that you plan it properly. This guy said you buy it and then buy it right back. Um, and that works as long as nothing happens to the stock between the point in time where you sell it and buy it right back. The big one that was out there, two big ones that were out there and a constant theme in the how to pay no income tax world were start an LLC or a business in order to eliminate all your income taxes or buy rental property and pay zero tax on the rental property. First, let's talk about LLC. There are no magic tax deductions that you get by being an LLC or a corporation. If you start a business and you have a profit motive, meaning you wanna make money on it, you don't need to do anything special in order to get write-offs. All of the write-offs are the same, whether you're a sole proprietorship, a corporation, an S corporation, or an LLC. As a matter of fact, most small business single member LLCs default to sole proprietorship. So it's the same thing. So you don't need to, you don't have to go through that, that exercise of forming an entity in order to, in order to get the deductions that everyone else is available to get. Basically, it says if you start a business, all ordinary, reasonable, necessary expenses to operate that business in the seat search for profit 
are deductible. So forming an LLC doesn't give you any magic powers in the deduction world. You can do that if you start a business on the side. The next one was real estate. And a couple of people went into really, really examples of writing out their expenses. But at the end of the day, this is what the guy said. If I buy a piece of real estate, I um, make $13,000 in income. Then I get to deduct things like insurance and property taxes and mortgage interest and ooh, the magic depreciation deduction. Depreciation is not a magic deduction, but I'll get to that last. But at the end of the day, he made $13,000 in gross total rental revenue for the year, and he spent $14,000 to own the property and make it available for rent. So if you want to lose $1,000 on an investment, please go right ahead. Now, there are other factors to take into account there, um, but this was just straight operating income. This person was cash flowing at a negative. That's how they make that's how they pay zero income tax on it. They actually lost money. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never really wanted to invest in something, whether it be a small business, a large business, a stock, or an investment piece of real estate, and wanted to actually lose money on it. Best case scenario, deduct all the reasonable and necessary expenses that you can, but you want to try and cover those through the revenue that you receive for whatever the business is, not lose actual money. And finally, I want to talk to you about magic depreciation. What do I do with this magic depreciation? How does it work? Okay, there is no magic formula to depreciation. If you buy an asset, it has a certain time period with which you're allowed to deduct it. It's supposed to match approximately to the useful life of that particular asset. Commercial real estate is a 39-year asset. Residential rental real estate is 27 and a half years. So you're not really getting any magic number out of this. You're actually probably having a timing difference on the expense that's not really going to match what you're paying, how you're paying for the piece of property. For instance, commercial properties normally get a 20-year mortgage with a five-year balloon, which means you have to refinance it basically every five years. But if the depreciation is over 40 years, it means you're going to be paying for the building in half the amount of time and deducting it over double the amount of time. So you're going to have a timing difference. Basically, you're deducting half the amount that you're paying out in principal payments each year, not the full amount that you're paying out. So you're actually kind of losing in that regard. Now, there are ways to carve particular things out like interior fixtures, uh, things of that nature. But in general, there's going to be a pretty big timing difference. In these videos that I was watching on TikTok, they actually made it sound like depreciation was some magical cost-free tax deduction that made you never pay income tax again. It's not really the way that it works. Residential real estate works the same way. Say you lived in a house for a while, so you have a 30-year mortgage on it. You convert that house to a rental piece of real estate. Now you've got a mortgage that's 30 years and a deduction that's 27 and a half years. That's a little bit closer to the actual expenses on the home, but you have to carve out the cost of the land. So assume that you have the cheapest house in the nicest neighborhood, the actual lot that your house list sits on, let's say you spent a million dollars on a home in South Tampa. The home might be modest, um, not really big. It might be the smallest house on a really expensive neighborhood. When you get an appraisal done on that house, the actual total value of the home comes in at a million dollars. But maybe the house is only worth 300000 and the lot might be worth 700000 based on what other comparables are selling in that area. The value of the lot, the $700,000, is never deductible. So you don't get to take that deduction 
in a rental real estate world. Now let's talk locally. If you bought a $150,000 house, say in Golf Hammock, and you wanted to turn it into a rental property, maybe that lot based on comparables is $40,000 or $50,000. You're still losing one third of the expense that you have to pay for in order to get the tax deduction. So depreciation isn't some magic wand that gives you free um, tax deduction and never pay taxes. It's actually something that you pay for and you might be getting hurt by not being able to deduct 100% of the cost over the given period of time that you're collecting the rental revenue. My advice, whether you're going to buy rental property, invest in stocks, or um, open up your own small business, as whether it's a side hustle or a full-time thing, try to make as much money as you can. That's the goal. Make as much money as you can. Don't worry about not paying any taxes and making tax deductions. Make the investment in the in the business that you need to make in order to make it profitable, and then deduct all those ordinary necessary business expenses after the fact. I always say never spend a dollar to save 30 cents in tax. Spend it because you want to make another dollar. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Coffee with Carlson. Hope you're enjoying this nice, cool weather. And if you need to get in touch with us, you can give us a call at Carlson Accounting, 863-382-4141. You can check us out on the web at carlsonaccounting.com. You can even schedule an appointment for me right there on our webpage. Click the appointment button. Have a great day and a great week. We'll see you next week on Coffee with Carlson.